Stop laughing, this is erotic. I'm on a new medication and I think it's making me hallucinate. I would have been a Ted Bundy victim. Yeah. I had no idea that so many people out there felt the same way I did. Now I want a pina colada. An acquired taste. This is an Acquired Taste Podcast. I'm Bethany, your flannel-wearing, whiskey-drinking, cozy, mystery-loving friend. And I'm Kathleen, your honey-crisp, apple-eating, girl-stop-apologizing, reading, dedicating one hour a day to something creative that is non-work-related, friend. Ooh, I need to do that, too. And every week, Kathleen and I meet up to discuss our lives, what's weird in the world, and we invite you to join us. This week, Kathleen, what are we talking about? I'm talking about finding happiness within yourself. Instead of through work? Instead of relying on other people and your friends, your family, most importantly, your significant other. Ooh, yeah. Sometimes you rely too heavily on them for your own personal happiness and it ends up pushing them away. So today I'm talking about, hang on, let me pull it up, (laughs) how self-reliance is the secret sauce to consistent happiness. I had a relationship end because they relied on me for their happiness. And I couldn't do it anymore, and it was too much pressure. And so the relationship ended. Yep. I have a friend who's going through this right now. Yeah. And uh, it's really, it's opened my eyes about a lot of things in terms of looking within yourself. Yeah, it's really tough. Um, And I am talking about Okinawa and why it is the most haunted place in the military. Really? Well, there's a huge naval base there. And that's what we're talking about. So Ah. this podcast has kind of turned into the self-help slash spooky podcast, which I'm I'm really happy about. I'm okay with that. One personal anecdote, one spooky anecdote. Yep. So um, our listener Mercedes emailed us because we had done an episode about the witching hour a few weeks ago. Of course. And she was um, stationed in Okinawa. And so she had a couple of like 3 a.m. witching hour experiences. So she said, you really need to look into this Air Force base. So she sent me some information. So we're going to talk about it. Uh, at the end of last podcast, we went over the New York Times's like 10 most horrifying movies on Netflix over the weekend. Yes. And so I finally watched this one that was on the list called Hush. Yes. And it came out in 2016. I don't I don't know how I didn't know about this movie. It was one of the most captivating slash hauntingly intelligent movies I have seen in a very long time. It is so, so good. Um, it's directed by Mike Flanagan. Yes. Who is married to the woman who stars in it, Kate. Yes. And um, Katie. And he just directed um, Dr. Sleep, oh, the um, Shining yes. sequel. Well, that's why I recently watched The Shining because I want to go into Dr. Sleep like fully prepared for everything. Yes. Hush, it is man. Great. Do you want to kind of give the rundown of like what of the premise? So essentially, it's like this guy is trying to get into a house, John Gallagher Jr., who I'm so obsessed with. You Wait, know, that's the actor. That's the actor who plays the bad guy in the movie. You know him from the newsroom, uh, among other things. He got his start in Spring Awakening on Broadway. Oh, that's hell yeah! Look at that. He's so my type of guy. Yeah, he's like a nerdy, dark hair. Oh my yeah. god, I, didn't, I have such a huge crush on him. And in this movie, he he almost doesn't even look like his regular nerdy, yeah, crazy, messy haired self. But he's trying to get into this house. He's trying to kill this girl, and she is deaf. Yep. And so she can't hear him coming. Yep. And she has to keep her eyes on him basically the whole time to keep herself alive mm-hmm. because if she tries to hide, she can't rely on her ears. Yeah. It's something I never thought about before. It's so good. I think Mike Flanagan and Kate, her name's Katie Flanagan, I think. Um, I think they wrote it. Yes, they wrote it and they, they you know, they put the whole thing together. It's kind of like you and Dinas. Me and Dinas. <laughs> um, she, I want to make sure we have her name right because um, 
She's such a good actress. And she's also in The Haunting of Hill House, yes. which Mike Flanagan also directed. And I almost didn't even realize that it was the same person. I had to like kind of go back and forth between shots from Hush and The Haunting of Hill House. And I was yeah. like, really? Is that her? But she is the character in Haunting of Hill House who feels things with her hands. Yeah. Kate yeah. Siegel is her name. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing about Hush is that it's about Kate Siegel plays a mystery writer. And it's kind of amazing how that comes into play in uh-huh. the film. It's I'm so glad you liked it. It's a really, really good film. Oh, man. Um, if you're looking for something like, because we're still sort of in the spooky season, because we just had daylight savings time, so things are just a little bit darker no, and cozier. No, don't say that. We're in Christmas season. We're spooky Christmas season's season. over. Uh, if you want a little bit like, you want like a cozy mystery the show Father Brown, um, my mom talked about it a couple episodes ago. I really am like four seasons deep into Father Brown right now. And it's just about this minister in a tiny British countryside town. And people just get murdered all the time. And you know what? He solves the, the murders and everything is fine. Everything's fine. It's great. Everything's fine. I'm really excited it's about It's like that your show. Christmas card last year. Yeah, everything's great. Everything's great. Everything's, everything's fine. Great. Can I tell you why 11-11, so upcoming November 11th, yes. is going to be the most magical day of 2019 according to the... The Witches. Tell me. Okay, so this comes from Bustle.com. The author is Nina Khan. So Mercury is in retrograde, right? Is it really? Yes. It started on October 31st, and it doesn't end until November 20th. Okay, so right in the middle of those days comes November 11th. Yeah. And it is tied into both numerology and astrology in that it marks a particularly powerful opportunity to deepen your spiritual growth, connect with your inner self, and awaken your subconscious goals and dreams. Okay. Okay, so first let's talk about 1111's power as a number. In numerology, the number 11 is considered a master number, and there are only three master numbers. I didn't. I never knew about this, master numbers. What are master numbers? 11, 22, and 33. Why are they masters? And the root of all three master numbers, you guessed it, 11. Oh, so the number 11 in numerology, it represents instinct and instinct, some say, is the most intuitive of all of your self powers. Sure. Yeah. And so therefore, it's the most powerful of all numbers. Oh, so two 11s is like, yes. bonus, bonus. Uh-huh. Okay. And you know that superstition when you're looking at the clock at exactly 11-11? Yes. You've heard that before? Yes. Or like 12-12? 4 4 Yes, exactly. Yeah. Something like that. Well, that comes from the power of 11. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right on. We're learning stuff today. Also, if you look at the number 11, it kind of looks like a doorway. Yeah, I was going to say. You can walk right through it. Uh-huh. Change your life. With the number 11. It also looks like a touchdown. Yeah. You can kick the ball right through it. Change your life by winning the Super Bowl. Sports. Yeah, actually, you could change your life. You could change your life. By winning the Super Bowl or like whatever the Super Bowl is to you. I don't know. Unlimited nachos at Applebee's or like crocheting 10,000 sweaters in a year or something. We uh, we all went on a work trip once and the it was at this like resort and the resort had like a buffet in the lobby that had nachos. (laughs) You could have unlimited nachos whenever you wanted. That was my Super Bowl. It is literally my favorite thing in the morning to eat tortilla chips uh, with my scrambled eggs. The little, the uh, Essen Delicatessen I stop at before I come here to Audio Boom NYC, uh-huh. uh, they have their buffet area and they always have fresh tortilla chips and guacamole. Oh, and it is so dang good. A little scrambled eggs on top of that. Uh, a little go for salt it, girl. pepper. That is like my ideal breakfast. Go for it. Anyway, that's the eleven eleven. That's cool. Um, speaking of witchy stuff, can I talk really quickly about what I did this Halloween? Yes, of course. So 
I'm trying to get a little bit more in touch with my ancestry, my like Nordic ancestry, and also a little bit more in touch with what I've always been drawn to, which mm. is more of kind of a witchy spiritualism so versus... did you hand out candy for little kids with no. your Nordic horns on? <laughs> no. Those are a myth. Did you know that? <laughs> Stop it. The Viking horns? That's a myth. Never happened. TV costume producers everywhere weeped at the same time. I know, as did a, a football <laughs> team. Um, but one thing that, uh, you know, there are so many different cultures that have like a memory holiday tied to Halloween. Okay. Like uh, Dia de los Muertos in the Mexican yeah, tradition. Day, day of the day Dead. Day of the Dead. And, the, and All Saints Day, I believe, is November 1st. That's yep. in the uh, Christian tradition. Christian tradition. Mm -hmm. Also, I was reading a lot about other, like in the Nordic areas in Scandinavia, there was this other ceremony that they did um, where it was very personal. Families went inside. Like there's not a lot told about where it started because no one was allowed in. Yeah. Like that was the only time that these families were weren't super giving and welcoming is like this one particular holiday around the 31st, 1st of November, where everyone just went into their own houses, only close friends and family were invited. Huh. And it was a time to remember your ancestors who have passed away feast. It's this wonderful, cozy time to really remember. So huh. I had Dennis bring over pictures of like the he's a cat person. So yeah. he brought over pictures of the cats that he's lost. Yeah. I had pictures of Oliver and my grandparents. And like we did this whole ceremony where you thank your ancestors, you invite them in to eat with you. You have this like big meal that huh. the animals eat first. Like yeah. if you have pets, they ball out on this. They eat first and then you eat. You talk about the relatives and the animals that you've lost. You remember them with joy. You thank them. You light all these candles for them and stuff like this. And it was like the most wonderful Halloween I've ever had. That is so lovely. It was really, really, really nice. And America is such a melting pot of mixed traditions. I don't understand maybe why this country doesn't have something like that, where on the same day, everybody recognizes where they came from and they honor their ancestors. Yeah. We just sort of have become more detached from it. And I'm not going to post this because it's it's a little personal, but like I'll show you, Kathleen. This was the altar we did the ceremony on. Oh, well, how and beautiful. Like, there's flowers and you have fruit and vegetables around and you oh, have like, Oliver. Um, there's a picture, you have like gourds, there's yeah. chocolate from, from a Norwegian store I went to. And then you light all of these candles one candle for each person that you're remembering. You say their name, you light the candle, and it's really you know, just wonderful and lovely. I'm going to start setting Thanksgiving table places for all of my beloved dead relatives yeah. moving forward. Yeah, it's just a time to say, hey, you're yeah. not forgotten. Please keep giving me guidance. Please remember us and yeah. we remember you. And I don't know, it's kind of nice. So I, That's really one of the most beautiful things that I've seen. I mean, I saw Thanks. the photo. Thank you for sharing that personal photo with me yeah. and uh, and heard lately. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. So I just want, I don't know, it's something I was trying and I'm really happy with how it went. So I think I'm going to do that moving forward. Uh, can I quickly, before we get into section one? Yeah. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Wash, wash, wash. Erase, erase, erase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can start fresh right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, with our producer, Casey. Yes. She kind of sets up our studio for us uh, before we start recording and checks yeah. our audio levels and whatever. And she always asks us the same question every time. Would you have for breakfast? Yeah. So Bethany and I usually just start rambling, rambling, rambling. And today I said, I only had a honey crisp apple. Yeah. Because, and, and I know that I'm not the only person out there. I know there are other taste buds out there who... <laughs> 
who went through the same thing this weekend. It's Halloween weekend. Yeah. There's a lot of candy around. Yeah, there is. And I just gorged myself on so much sugar and so much junk food. And you know when you wake up and you eat a piece of candy for breakfast, you're like, fuck it. The rest of the day. I don't, I, don't need, yeah. I don't need to eat anything healthy today because I started off on the wrong foot. Obviously, this is a, a mindset that I've been trying to work on. Um, but my body today is quite literally not hungry because of all of the garbage I ate this weekend. So anybody else that needs to hear this, wash, wash, wash. Erase, 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 erase. You have a fresh start, whatever that fresh start is for you today. My nieces are planning on having a sleepover sometime soon. Okay. And I was like, what the yeah. heck do I do with them? And then we got introduced to this very cool product called KiwiCo. It's like an experiment box. Yeah. So KiwiCo is this box that lets your kids create super cool hands-on projects. And they also learn about science, technology, engineering, art, or math. Yeah. Kind of like a meal kit box. And all you need at home is like scissors. Yeah. Or a pencil or something. All of the products are designed by experts and tested by kids. No need to research or worry about gathering all of the supplies. They're all there. So each month, the kid in your life receives a new, fun, and engaging project with all the supplies that they need to challenge themselves creatively. The two boxes that I got for my nieces in the mail, this cool marble timer where you build essentially a board and the marbles like a mouse maze. They kind of fall through the maze. It was so cool. Why am I going to give these to my nieces? This is going to be very fun for me to do. And then this other like color mixing crystal experiment where you get to play with electricity. But it's safe. And the cool thing, too, is that the instructions are designed for kids to do and read by themselves. So if you're a busy parent and you don't want to like sit your kid in front of a tablet again, yeah. give them these projects. They can do them by themselves or with their friends. Yeah. You can do them with them if you want, but the kids should be able to handle it by themselves too. This holiday, give the gift of hands-on learning for tomorrow's makers. KiwiCo is a convenient, affordable way to encourage your children to be anything they want to be. There's no commitment. You can cancel anytime. And monthly options start at $16.95 a month. Month, including shipping. This would be a fantastic Christmas gift. Yeah. KiwiCo has seven different lines underneath its umbrellas. So it's for kids of all ages, zero to 104. That's me and you. That's me and you. Whatever age or level your child is at, there is a KiwiCo box for them. So for our listeners, that's you, Taste Buds. Go to KiwiCo.com slash taste to get your first month free. Every day counts when it comes to making a difference, so don't miss out on this amazing opportunity. Again, go to KiwiCo.com slash taste. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash taste and get your first month free. That's KiwiCo.com slash taste. Okay, Bethany. Yes. I have a friend and uh, right now this friend is struggling with her marriage. Okay, that sucks. And her husband came home one day and... Out of the blue, she didn't see it coming. Sure, things were not all hunky-dory, but yeah. she she truly didn't see it coming. He said, this is over. No, no, no. After years and years and years of being together. So over the course of a few days, between texts and phone calls and chatting with her, basically the gist of it, from what I'm understanding, is that she depends on him for all of her happiness. Okay. And it's a huge burden for him to carry. Yeah. Because when he walks in that door, and I'm not saying he's not at fault here. There's much more to the story. But this could be anybody. Mm -hmm. This could be a friend or a relative, a parent. He walks through that door and 
it's time for job number two. Mm. And that is to keep everybody in the house happy. Oh, gosh. And so I said to my friend, I said, are you happy? Mm -hmm. Like, do you feel happy within yourself? Do you have any hobbies? Is there anything that you do for just you Mm -hmm. that's not at the service of your family? Yeah. And she said, no. Yeah, that is a big problem. And so I started thinking about this. And luckily, I had an amazing example of self-containment and self-happiness growing up. My mom is the master of being happy where you are with mm-hmm. what you have and, and, you know, carving out a little bit of time to have you time. Sure. So I found this article on the medium.com. The title is Self-Reliance is the Secret Sauce to Consistent Happiness. The tagline is, do you rely on others for your happiness? It's written by Darius Forox. Forox. I'm, I'm going to spell his last name because I'm definitely saying it wrong. F-O-R-O-U-X. He's an author, um, and he shares daily tips on his social media accounts for self-improvement, productivity, habits, decision-making, et cetera, et cetera. So he writes, happiness determines the quality of your life, right? Yes. Because if you're not happy, you could have everything in the world and still not be happy, and you're, yeah. you don't, you're not living a good life. We all know people who have, like, everything, yes. and they're miserable, yes. and we all know people who have very little, and they're so happy, because it's a mindset. It's a mindset, exactly. It's not really determined by how much stuff is around yeah. you, right? And nobody wants a, a shitty life. Right. Like, nobody's like, yes, I'm going to strive to have an absolutely shitty life. So when you're unhappy, mm-hmm. you have to look deep within yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not about the people and the stuff around you. It is something in your core, in your heart, in the bottom of your soul, and you have to change your thinking. Right. I mean, there are situational things, of course, of that course. can make you unhappy. But I think if you find that over your lifetime, you are never not miserable. Yes then that's like something to examine. And so uh, this author of the article, Darius Forox, he says you have to look at how self-reliant you are. Okay. So do you expect your romantic partner to make you happy? Do you think that your friends should always be there for you? Do you expect your boss to give you extra money, extra bonuses? Oh, gosh. Do people actually think that? Yes, of course. Do you say people are stupid when they don't buy your products or services? What? Are you serious? Do you find it difficult to be alone? Nope. Do you feel like a nobody when people at work are ignoring you? Oh my gosh, this is so far off from how I personally feel that it blows my mind that this is like a thing, but of course it is. Of course, because you and I are experts, I think, at finding happiness within our own beings. Well, and I think we just really like being alone. We like being alone. (laughs) I think think that you and I also appreciate the small things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you're looking down this list and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, at some point in time, I've definitely fallen into that category, like expecting your friends to always be there for you. I think a lot of it has to do, especially in a relationship with another person, Bethany, we've talked about this before, you know, when you go out with a friend Mm -hmm. and you're drained Mm -hmm. because all they did was complain Mm -hmm. and whine Mm -hmm. and expect you to entertain them. Emotional vampires. Emotional vampires. Mm -hmm. Uh, in some ways, I, I think maybe that my friend was an emotional vampire to her husband. And that it's a tough thing to admit. Yeah. It's a tough thing to realize about yourself. Yeah. And uh, and it really it comes down to neediness. So is she are they working on it or they, is it done now? They are working on it. OK. They are working on it. Did she hear you when you were like, hey, you got to like find your own thing? I'm hoping 
And I've sent her suggestions yeah. about new hobbies yeah. or things that I could do with her, hobbies that she and I could build together. But in the past, like when I had just graduated from college, I broke up with my husband because he was being an emotional vampire to yeah. me. He was always complaining about work and I just couldn't take it. And I had just graduated from college and I had a fresh outlook on life. And I said, the world is so many possibilities. How could you be this negative all yeah. the time? Yep. And so I broke up with him. Obviously, it's a much different situation uh, when you're not married and when you're in your early 20s than now when, yeah. you, when you're married and you have children. But is it time for all of us to sort of do a self-check? Oh, I, I absolutely think so. So I said at the beginning of the episode, I ended a relationship because I was the only source of the person's happiness. Yes. And I asked them point blank, what makes you happy? And he said, well, you do. And I said, I can't be the only thing that makes you happy. And I said, what else do you really like? And he couldn't name anything yes. because he was always really angry. Yes. So angry, so negative. Work was out to get him. Mm -hmm. His friends were out to get him. We would go shopping. The clothing companies were out to get him if he didn't like what they had or he, nothing fit. He, he was constantly feeling persecuted. And so every day I had to figure out ways to make him happy. Yeah. And when I told him, like, I can't be your only source of happiness, he didn't understand it. And I couldn't make him understand it. And he was needy mm -hmm. because he wasn't happy yep. within himself. And he didn't realize that he was needy. So uh, ways that maybe you're needy and you don't even realize it. Are you trying to find ways to convince yourself that your partner doesn't love you anymore? Whoa. Wait. So you know when you start telling yourself this story, they don't like me anymore. They're getting ready to break up with me. Oh. They're going to leave me. Oh, But yeah. you have to actually dig yeah. to find reasons that aren't really there. Yeah. That's a sign that you're needy. Okay. Do you say to your partner, hey, do I look fat or ugly on this? Okay. And that assists. I, I'm, I have done that in the past. Yeah. I don't do it anymore, but it's definitely a sign that you're needy. Yeah. What I do now with Neil is, does this look cool? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I'm not really so concerned about, you know, like, that my body is the way it is. Yeah. Not everything is going to make me look like a skinny supermodel, but I, what's important to me now is looking cool. Do yeah. I look cool? Yeah. And that's less of a chance of failure for him. Because yes. if you don't look cool, you can always add or replace something you're mm -hmm. wearing. Mm -hmm. So he, you're not going to be devastated if he was like, no. Yeah. Versus like, do I look ugly or awful in this? He can't say There's yes. There's no way. You're setting your partner up yeah. for failure and yeah. it shows that you're needy. Yeah. You should be setting your partner up for success. Exactly. Do you rely on your partner to be entertained? So mm. the, second, huge. the second your boyfriend or girlfriend walks in the door, yeah. are you like, okay, now it's your turn to entertain me? Oh, that's huge. I bet there are so many people who don't even realize they're doing yes. that. Yes. Do something funny. Come yeah. up with something to do. I'm Let's so bored. Yes. Now you're here. Entertain me. Exactly. Do you let your partner make all the decisions? Because not being able to trust yourself, to trust mm. your own opinion, to trust yourself to like say, hey, let's do this. You put all of the burden on your friend or your partner into making all the decisions. Uh, I was sort of thinking retroactively about what my, um, what my girlfriend is going through right now with her husband. And I thought, huh, you know, obviously this is more serious for them because they're married mm -hmm. and they have children. But if you've ever been ghosted by a friend mm -hmm. and you're like, why did that person just want to stop being friends with me? Mm-hmm. This may be why. It may be because you're an emotional vampire to your friend. Yeah. And you were needy. And every time that that friend hung out with you, that friend left feeling exhausted because all they had to do was listen to your problems. And now yeah. I'm not talking about major life problems that right. you need advice about. I'm talking about like 
the cat threw up on the carpet and I just bought a container of spinach and it went bad. And like my boss hates me. It's like trivial things or trivial things that never get better. There are certain people who don't want it to get better. And so like my mom always says this and I'm on board with her. I don't mind if you have problems. Yes. But if you have no interest in actively fixing those problems, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in hanging out in this spiral with you. Yes. So if you hang out with me and you really need to talk about how your boss hates you, great. I will talk with you about your boss hates you. I will help you problem solve. Mm-hmm. We will come up with 17 different options for you on how to solve this problem. If next month you come back to me and we you have not implemented any of those yes. and you just want to talk about how much your boss hates you, uh-huh. no time for that because you're not actively trying to get better. I love that. Just no time for that. I had a blowout with a friend once a few years ago where her boyfriend had broken up with her and it was kind of like a sort of like a tumultuous breakup. And at one point I sent her a text message and I said, listen, you just need to get over this. Yeah. You need to find a way to get over this. You have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and move on. And sometimes it was very hard for her to hear. You have to do that. I mean, I probably could have been like a little bit kinder. (laughs) I know people love to be told to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I I just, it's like, (laughs) I could have been kinder. She could have been more receptive. Yeah. Like the fight could have been avoided. Probably I said it in person instead of over text message. But when you rely on other people to just talk about the same problems all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So listen, when you feel sick, you take drugs. When you feel lost in life, you ask for advice. Mm-hmm. We're quick to say, I can't, instead of I can. And, and we expect others to solve our problems. This is inherent in us. We're born as helpless little babies. Sure, yeah. With parents and guardians to take care of us. But as we get older, don't you want to be the friend or the partner when someone hangs out with you? They walk away feeling inspired. Totally. And totally jazzed. Yes. And creatively juiced up. And the reality is of it, if if your relationship is crumbling, like maybe that's not happening. Maybe it's part of it. One thing I always think about, I think about this a lot is here's the scenario. You're on a plane. It crashes on a remote Island. Mm -hmm. Everyone dies except for you. Okay. That actually sounds like a a dream vacation, except the dying part. Right. They could just evaporate. You're there (laughs) for two years. Uh huh. It's a very dangerous Island. Yeah. Finally, people come and find you. Yeah. When they find you, what state are you in? Do you want to be in the state where you are curled up in the fetal position and you've gone crazy because you're so scared and or you're dead or you're desperate and you're whatever? Or when they find you, do you want the vines to part and you to be standing on a rock with a spear that you figured out how to make (laughs) and you're wearing rabbit pelts because you learned how to hunt and you learned how to badass take care of yourself and conquer the situation. Yeah, definitely the second one. Definitely the second one. That's how you got to work through your life. And it's so much better to rely on yourself than to rely on other people because sometimes other people are not reliable. Yeah, sometimes the people aren't around and it's three in the morning and you can't stop thinking about something that's bothering you. You've got to figure out how to help yourself. Or sometimes it's a deserted island and your FedEx plane has crashed and it's just you and a package and a volleyball. And what's going to happen? That volleyball is going to float away from you. And then what are you going to do? You still got to survive, girlfriend. You do. So this article from TheMedium.com, Learn How to Master Your Emotions. The author says that sometimes we are too quick to express our emotions. Oh. And now... This may seem against everything, Bethany, you and I have ever talked about on this podcast because we're like, go to therapy, figure out things in your life. But when you go to therapy, your therapist doesn't solve your problems for you. Correct. Your therapist helps you solve your own problems. Yes. So things like, I'm tired. This day sucks. 
People are untrustworthy. My belly aches. My boss is a narcissist. These are all things that you don't necessarily need to say out loud every day. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's true. Like, oh, it's so hot. Everything's awful. I say that all the time. It's so hot. I, I know. I say that in the summer. And how many times have I busted through the door into my apartment? I'm carrying 10,000 packages and I just, I put everything down on the ground. I'm dripping in sweat. And I say to my husband, ugh, today is awful. Yeah. That's an awful way. I mean, going back to the word awful yeah. comes in full circle. That's an awful way to greet somebody. Dennis and I, this was like our first big fight. Yes. Was because I felt like he was coming at me every time we hung out. He was coming at me with all of his problems and all of these big emotions. And he was like, I thought that that was okay because that's literally what you do to me. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, I didn't really even realize so that. So were you like listing off all the shitty things that had happened to you that day? I, yeah, it was, it was, well, first of all, it's his fault because he was dating me in the summer. <laughs> I told him when we first got together, you're going to hate me in the summer. So yeah. the fact that he still decided to date me, this is really ultimately his fault. Yeah. But yes, I guess. I don't really know. I would come in and be sweating and hot from the subway mm -hmm. and be saying like, oh, this weather is stupid. It's too hot. I hate it. Everyone's dumb. Things are stupid. And so then when he did that to me, yeah, he thought it was okay because that is the precedent I had set. And you probably felt emotionally assaulted. Yes. Because when you greet someone with negativity after not yeah. seeing them all day, it puts a weight on the other person's shoulders mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily want there. Yeah. So I'm going to start thinking about it in these terms. I'm going to protect my husband yeah. and my friends from all of the like absolutely mundane, shitty shit that went on that I don't need to A, give more power to by reverbalizing what happened and B, like it just it's not doesn't make for a happy environment. That's I like that because also you're strong enough to handle the little things. Yes. Rely on yourself and trust yourself. You are strong enough to handle it. Yes. You are the person wearing a badass outfit that you you made yourself from reeds and vines on the island. So when yes. they find you, sure, you haven't plucked your eyebrows in like two years and they've probably grown over. <laughs> but you know what? You look amazing because you're strong. Yes, you are strong. And when shitty things happen to you, you prevail because yep. you're a good problem solver and you move on and you don't really need anybody else's help when it's not necessary. Correct. Because it is important to ask for help when it is necessary. Right. Yeah, it is. It's I'm still working it's on important that, that you that you you should that you ask for help when you actually truly deep down need it, right? Right. Yes. And knowing the difference. Speaking your emotions out loud is not always useful. So Yeah. Celebrate adversity. This is what we're talking about. Celebrating adversity. Like with like how? Just like just like, like what we fet? said. No, just how we said. When a problem comes, you solve it. That yeah. is celebrating adversity. Yeah. And you learn from it. And you learn from it. Yeah. And you conquer it. And it turns out to be a positive thing. Yeah. Instead of waking up in the morning and going, Ugh, my boss sucks. Yeah. You wake up in the morning and you're like, yes. Today, I'm going to show my boss exactly how positive and productive I can be despite them sucking. I once had a therapist. Um, I had the worst boss. This was, this was years ago. And she was making my life miserable. And so my therapist said, well, okay, let's say you knew someone had like this imaginary illness. Okay, okay. So let's say this imaginary illness that just it's like a worm that infects someone's brain and makes them a giant Shakespearean level asshole. Okay. <laughs> if you knew your boss had this virus. Yes. Would you take it as personally when she's awful to you? No. So why don't you just pretend your boss has this virus is what she said to me. I love that. Because ultimately. Then you can ignore them. Then you can ignore them. My boss 
was missing a ton of life lessons. And so she was not really a very good boss. She just, she, she just developmentally hadn't learned some things. Yeah. So taking those into account, I was able to be less affected by her. And I, and then it also helped to pretend she had like a brain eating virus. You got to do what you got to do. Listen, every setback is an opportunity to a test your self-reliance and B test your ability to convince yourself that your boss has a brain-eating worm that's making them an a-hole. Totally. All right. Another tip from this article from TheMedium.com. Get comfortable with yourself. Oh. Get comfortable being alone. Bethany, you and I succeed at this. Love it. It's the best. We have Olympic gold medals in being alone. I was once alone for an entire week, and it was the best week of my life. So when we're standing in line, or we're home, or a commercial comes on, like, what is the thing that most people do? Pull out their phones. They pull out their phones. Yeah. They open the laptop. They're like, I need to entertain myself. Right. I'm bored. So, like, maybe instead of doing that, every time you feel bored, do what your mama told you to do when you're a little kid. Entertain yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go for a walk around town. Head over to a coffee shop. Take yourself on a date. Bring Mm -hmm. a book. Mm -hmm. Bring a notebook. If you're not into reading, try learning a new language. Mm -hmm. You know, in your town, I'm sure that there are running clubs. There are meetups. There are a million ways to spend your time. Go to a store you've never been in before. Yes, find a hobby. And hobbies don't necessarily need to cost money. Do you know one of my favorite things lately is this website, Skillshare? Oh, no. So Skillshare.com. You can basically learn how to do anything. Right now, I'm teaching myself how to make patterns uh, that you can do on wallpaper. Like <gasps> patterns that can be printed on paper that are um, eternity patterns. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, they link to each other. They link to each other. That's so, so cool. And that's like one of the things I'm learning now as like a hobby. I'm just yeah. teaching myself how to do that. There's so many ways out there, mm-hmm. but you have to dedicate time to yourself. Yeah, you have to take up an instrument or something. And you know when you're dating somebody for the first time and you're like, I really like this person. They're mm-hmm. so mysterious. It's because this person is happy within themselves and they're not totally relying on you to entertain them or make them happy. Yep. And it just makes that person more intriguing. Yeah. You want to spend more time with that person in return. And if you're not like that, the person isn't going to be interested. If someone's threatened by you having skills and interests, then you know right away that's not the person for you. So at the end of this article, I don't know if I agree with this, but I'm going to just put it into the universe. Life is a series of unrelated events and decisions. We always try to make sense out of everything. We say things like everything happens for a reason, but understand life happens. And you will never be able to explain everything with 100% certainty and proof. Yeah, I agree with that probably. I know. (sighs) I mean, you're not going to be able to explain it. I I, do think everything happens for a reason. Yes, I do too. But I don't know if we're always aware of what that reason is. And, And it's like the classic Dawson Leary overthinking problem are you an overthinker i mean yeah of course nobody probably listening to this podcast ever watched dawson's creek except for me i think i never watched it but like i know a lot of people probably did it was so good bethany lots of lots of big emotions and so dawson lear he's an overthinker Mm -hmm. he overthinks everything yeah and a lot of what i suffer from my anxiety would be helped if i just stopped overthinking Mm -hmm. stuff happens and sometimes you can't explain it yep end of story end of story we move on so bethany what does your happy day look like for you I wake up Mm -hmm. early. Yes. It's not light out yet. Early bird gets somewhere. Yep. I go for a long walk. Uh I get home. I have coffee. I listen to the radio. Mm -hmm. And then I I go to the park. I feed the birds because I carry bird seed around now in my purse because I'm an old woman. (laughs) I feed the birds. Uh, I read. Yeah. I listen to music. Mm -hmm. I go to bed. All things. Nap. Yeah. Yeah. Watch watch a little Father Brown. Nappy nap. What about you? What's your like perfect day, Kathleen? I wake up. Mm-hmm. I ha- there's coffee. 
I, I, I get coffee into my body in some form or capacity. Maybe I sit in a coffee shop for an hour with my iPad. Mm-hmm. I draw a little bit. I listen to NPR. Mm-hmm. I catch up on the news. I do a little reading. Maybe I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Maybe I go to yoga. I make something delicious for dinner. And then I go to bed early. That's the perfect day. And things that my perfect day and your perfect day have in common is that all of these things are done alone. Yeah. And like even better if they include friends and family and loved ones and, and significant others. But That's great. It's not what I rely on to be happy. Yeah. And if you're terrified to be alone, take a look at that. Like I don't have a terrible day if my husband isn't around. Right. Just based on the fact that he's not around. Right. Sometimes it's a better day. Sometimes I'm like, yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. Just some food for thought. I think it's good. I like that. We'll link to that article in the show notes, yes. too. Yes. Rely on yourself for happiness awesome. because true happiness comes from within, not from the things that are around you. Thank you, Kathleen. You're quite welcome. Oh, Bethany. Yeah. There's so many pairs of Rothy's that I want. I'm on their website right now, and they have this beautiful pair of chocolate gingham loafers. Oh, my gosh. Those are darling. Right on the homepage. Damn. So, so cute. All right. So we're talking about Rothy's. They are the flats that Kathleen and I love. They're the ones that are made from recycled water bottles. Here's how they work. It's somehow Rothy's figured out this wizardry of taking recycled water bottles and turning them into this really soft, comfortable thread crafted as like one piece. So there's no seams that are going to hurt your foot, cause calluses. There's no break in period. They're so comfortable from day one. I love them. I bought them for my mom. I bought them for my mother-in-law. They're washable. Yeah. You throw them in the washer. uh, You wash them. You set them out to air dry. And then you have like a new clean pair of shoes again. Rothy's has diverted over 35 million water bottles from landfills and Rothy's owns and operates their manufacturing workshops. So they prioritize sustainability every step of the way. They ship directly in the shoebox, so there's no unnecessary packaging. It just makes you feel good to buy Rothy's. So they have like pointy toe flats. They have got regular round toe flats, loafer sneakers. Now they've got these cute little booties. If you're looking for something to wear in the office, if you're looking something to wear casually on the weekends, Rothy's has an option for you. Yes. But I'm telling you this straight up. Every option can be dressed up or dressed down and they look perfect no matter what. Go to rothys.com slash taste to get your new favorite flats. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash taste. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Check out all the amazing styles right now at rothys.com slash taste. Head to rothys.com slash taste today. Bethany, Mm -hmm. I love going to the grocery store and buying healthy, organic products to put in my belly. Totally makes you feel better about life. So when was the last time you asked yourself the same thing about your feminine care products? Yeah, you know, we really want to put clean things in our bodies. We should also worry about putting clean things in our bodies yes. and on our bodies and around our bodies. So the FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients that they put in their feminine care products. Most of them don't. You don't know what's in there. It could be rayon. It could be polyester. It could be scents. It could be a cat. You don't know what they put in that tampon. No. And when you think about a woman's lady parts, like my, my vagina. Your vagina? That tissue is very sensitive. So sensitive. So you're only going to want to put the best stuff up there, Cries in there, easily. around 
down there. Yes. <laughs> Lola feminine care products are 100% organic. There's no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes, and they make your month a little bit easier. Their subscription is fully customizable, so you can choose your mix of products, your mix of absorbencies, the number of boxes, and the frequency of delivery, and their subscription is really flexible. Yeah, so a box from Lola is going to come every month with, you know, whatever you want, organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, all natural cleansing wipes. Those are some of my favorites. Yes. And uh, you're always going to have products in your house when you get your period and you're not going to have to think about it. And their tampon applicators are BPA free. Yes. No one wants that BPA. Mm-mm. So for 30% off your first month's subscription, visit MyLola and enter Taste30 when you subscribe. One more time to get 30% off your first month's subscription, go to MyLola.com and enter Taste30 when you subscribe. Okay, Kathleen. Yes. So our listener Mercedes emailed us. She said, hey, ladies, longtime listener, first time reaching out. I just moved back to the States from being stationed in Okinawa, Japan. And Mercedes says that Okinawa is one of the most haunted places in the world. Yes. I didn't know this. Yeah. Well, I know about Okinawa because I had a friend who grew up on a, on a base there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kadena base? Uh, she went to the, I don't know the name of the exact base, but it was in okay. Okinawa. I had no idea. But um, Mercedes linked us to this article on military.com. Why Okinawa is the most haunted place in the military. And this is written by Blake Stilwell. Japanese culture and the Japanese people, they've been around for way longer than we have in America. So that's a lot more time for creepy things to happen. So my two sources for this are the article on military.com and then an article on mysteriousuniverse.org. It's called A Haunted Airbase in Okinawa by Brett Swanser. Whoa. So this airbase is called Kadena Air Base in Japan. And there's a bunch of different places within this airbase that yeah. people are reporting lots of spirits. And these are like hardcore spirits that they're seeing. And a lot of it, you know, it's an Air Force base. So there's just a lot going on. There's a lot of high emotions, a lot of loss, a lot of fear. And then also just, you know, there's so many people going through it. Yeah. Um, and spirits feed on the emotions of alive humans. Completely. Mm-hmm. Now, before we talk about this, I'm just going to put out there. I'm not from a military family. I I don't understand military culture. So if I get something wrong, I'm very sorry if I phrase something the wrong way. No, Kathleen, you have a little bit more experience. I will try to help you Um, best I can. But but yeah, I'm not looking to offend anyone. Like I I just it's this is part I don't understand this culture completely. So I just don't want to mess it up. Um, like, I know you're never supposed to say former Marine, for example. Once, for, a, once a Marine, always a Marine. You're a forever a Marine. Right. So mm-hmm. I know that, but whatever. Here we go. So um, one of the most haunted places on this base was called Building 2283. And it's no longer there. It was reportedly demolished in 2009. But this was a house on the base. It was notorious for being the single most haunted house in the entire U.S. military. Wow. 22... 83. 83. Didn't have a fancy name. It was just called 2283. And they eventually had so many problems with it that they turned it into storage because no one could stay there. Huh. So the story is that an Air Force officer murdered his entire family there before killing himself sometime in the 70s. The next military family to move into that house experienced feelings of unrest and paranoia. (gasps) And then that father reportedly stabbed everyone. (gasps) So that's when they turned it into a storage shed. That didn't stop the problems. So people who would walk by this house would hear children crying, strange laughter, a woman washing her hair in the sink. No. And this is after it had been turned into a storage unit. So there's no, there should be no one in there. 
Um, the Air Force reportedly attempted to tear it down. The workers who were destroying it reported headaches, hallucinations. They had a, a high rate of on-the-job injuries. Like, this place, like, did not want to be torn down. And there was a daycare next door because creepy. Oh, yeah. The best place to put your your children that you care and love for. Right. Exactly. The teachers would complain because children (laughs) would be throwing their toys over the fence. um, And when asked why they were doing this, the kids were like, well, the little kids on the other side asked us to. Oh, God. Little kids are such conductors Uh of weird, creepy spirits. And they don't even realize it. Because they don't have those walls up yet. And I find it creepy and delightful. I find it creepy and delightful as well. (laughs) Other people have reported uh, hearing phones ringing in their house. Well, there's no phone lines there anymore. Uh, Faucets turning on by themselves, curtains opening. One person even says they saw the house glowing. Oh, I can believe that. Yeah. But there's like the worst part is um, a samurai warrior has apparently been seen riding his horse through the living room. Okay. So that just seems like American people bastardizing Japanese culture. I mean, probably, but it's also possible. I mean, you know, this pe- Japanese people lived on this base area before it became a military that's base, true. I'm guessing. No, so that, that's true. It could be a residual haunting of back when there were samurai warriors riding their horses. Okay. All right. Here's another one. Uh huh. The spectral gate guards. Spectral gate? Yes, as in ghosty. Ghosty, ghosty guards. Ga- okay, ghosty guards. Okay, so there are reports of people seeing guards at the like security gates yeah. covered in blood and asking for a match so they can light their cigarette. Mm. If you drive up to a military base and you want to be let in, and the guard is just standing there soaked head to toe in blood. Yeah, you turn around. You turn around. You drive away. Because obviously something bad is going on in there. And then I don't know how this works, but what do you do? You call the president and say, no, <laughs> I quit. Does that work? Can, no, you can't. I you mean, can't like, do you that. can't just drop out of the military like that. But bloody, but bloody ghost. Then what do you do? I don't Call the president. I don't know. I, I mean, it is my understanding that bases like this are mostly self-sustaining. Okay. So I don't know how often people leave. These bloody guards were reported all the time. Really? Yes. Uh, it's called Camp Hansen's Old Gate 3. What? Yeah. Ble- what would you do? Um, I would try and run a hand through them. I would try. Is it, are you real? Are you, you real? I'm Come sorry. here. Let me chop my hand through your through your mist yeah. or whatever. If you here's a picture of the gate. Yeah. Hold on. I'm scrolling down. Here's a picture of the gate. If you're driving up, it's night vision. If you're driving up and it's nighttime and yeah. you pull up and there's just a bloody man standing there lighting a cigarette, you gonna put a hand through him? Yeah. No. You're gonna turn around, you're gonna drive away, you're gonna call the president. Bethany, you have to be brave. I not I can't. I can't. Don't you take my story and turn it around on me. I can't. I I believe um, in addition to one of my very best friends growing up on a base in Okinawa. Yeah. um, She went to an American school inside of the base. Uh, I believe that my cousin was stationed there, too. He was a Marine. Kadena? I don't know. In Okinawa. I don't know how big Okinawa is. You have to ask. I have. Yeah. Okay. I have to figure out. Uh, Kadena's Bunyan Tree Golf Course Cave. Haunted as hell. Oh, a Banyan Tree. Banyan. Is yeah. That how you pronounce it? Banyan? B-A-Y-A-N. Ba- B-A-N-Y-A-N? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Banyan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They have those trees in uh, in Hawaii, too. Are they those, like, sprawled out? And there's, like, uh, the best way to describe a, a banyan tree is they can get very, very, very large. And when they do get large, the base is very thick. And they have, it's sort of like all of these crazy branches 
growing out there and they kind of look like wiry hair. Nice. Like, and not in terms of, um, and thick, you know, they're like thick branches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if you would imagine like a woman with crazy wiry hair, this yeah. is sort of how the branches grow. And and they, they create a cover. <sighs> so when it's raining, banyan trees, they're very prevalent in more tropical locations. Okay. Um, locations that get a lot of rain because you can go underneath banyan trees and then take cover from the rain. That's where I would build my house if I got trapped on that tropical island. Exactly. Uh, that's awesome. So during World War II, the Japanese maintained a field hospital on the site where Kadena's golf course was was built. Oh. Mm. So when U.S. troops took over the hospital, 17 Japanese nurses uh, reportedly died by suicide in a nearby cave because they were scared of Americans because of all the Japanese propaganda. They, they uh, saw these Americans, they freaked out. They took their lives, is and, the story. And the Americans knocked the building down and built a golf course. Golf course. Mm-hmm. So people report seeing Japanese soldiers marching around the golf course. Uh, they be ghosts. Yeah, I can believe that. They hear groans and screams coming from the cave. Uh, the golf course is supposedly also uh, a place where you see a samurai. Um, this is a great example of why military and political propaganda is hurtful for both sides. Yeah. it Well, anytime you only hear one thing about a group of people, right? Yes. But there's a reason And unfortunately, for it. it still happens today. Yeah. And it's called political memes. It's, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, the women who took their lives are still said to haunt the cave and the nearby land, but it also, it's also part of Kadena's annual Halloween ghost tour. So good on them. Stop it. They have an annual Halloween ghost tour. Apparently they do. Wait, so they celebrate Halloween in Japan? I think maybe for these Air Force, uh, you know, if there's a lot of Americans gotcha, over there. Gotcha. Because um, I, I mainly thought of that as like an American holiday. Let's look. Uh, you know, my Jewish friends, a lot of my Jewish friends don't celebrate Halloween. Their kids don't. Because it's a Christian holiday. Is it? Yeah. When you really think about it, it's based off of a off of Christianity. Hallow's Eve is also All Saints Eve. So um, this says uh, Halloween is a very recent celebration in Japan. The first time Halloween took place was in 1997. Huh. But that's also Halloween in Japan, Disney. So I don't I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The Western. I think it's the Western ways are sort of, you know, making their way. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a place called um, Maida Point or Maida Point. Okay. Maida Point. I'm not quite sure. Uh, the Prophet of Dune. So if you're around this area on Okinawa and you see an elderly man walking around a tomb near the water, you are effed in the A because this man is a ghost. Some people are into that. You're right. That's great. But if <laughs> but you are effed in the A the wrong way. Okay. So you see. In a bad sense. You see him walking around a tomb. Yeah. Uh, he's a ghost, and every time someone sees him, a body washes ashore on a nearby beach in just a few days. Uh, this is also an area where a lot of people take their lives by jumping, uh, throwing themselves off the cliff. It's also the site of another field hospital used by the Imperial Japanese Army in World War II. And people report seeing ghosts underwater, which no. sounds friggin' no. awful. Because being underwater is scary enough, and now if you see a ghost coming towards you, no, no, no. So... I just looked this up because a lot of what you're saying has to do with suicide. Yeah. Japan has a relatively high suicide rate compared to other countries. I've heard that before. Um, Luckily, the number is declining, uh, and it's been under 30,000 suicides a year since 2013. But uh, in 2014, on average, 70 Japanese people died every day. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Every day? 
So what country has the highest suicide rates? This is really great. This This is is really positive fodder. Yeah, it's very uplifting. Number one, Guyana. Okay. Number two, Les Othos. Les Les Otho. Les Otho. That's the the name of a country. Les Otho. Number three, Russia. Okay. Interesting. Um... Okay, so we're al- we're almost near the end here of, okay. this, of this information. This is, I find this so fascinating because it is a, a world that I just don't understand. I would love to go to Japan. I would too. I would too. And it's a combination of like a culture that is is very different from Western culture. Mm-hmm. Um, They're very much about respect. Yep, respecting one another. Very on they honor tradition that has been around for a yeah. long time. And even just the food is so vastly different from food that like I was raised on. Yes. and so that plus the culture of the military, which I'm also not really familiar with, yeah. it's just really fascinating for me to kind of get a, a glimpse into this. You're supposed to slurp your noodles. Are you? <laughs> It's considered polite. I am happy to do so. (laughs) Um, So a few more things. There are some miscellaneous paranormal sightings. One witness calls himself Dustin. He says he moved there in 2004 with his wife. They lived there for four years. There was no problem. Nothing strange happened for four years. And then one night they were walking down to a place called the Olympic Shopette. um, And that took them through a tree line of jungle for about 50 feet. So Shopette. Shopette. He said that they like to walk at night because it's a little bit cooler and you would see sometimes bats flapping around at night. You'd hear them screeching. No big deal. He said, this night was different. My hands are still shaking uh, while writing this. We walked over to the shop head around 9 p.m. On the way back, we were walking next to the jungle tree line and something caught our eye. We mm. thought a person was standing there in the brush. We looked. Sure enough, it was. We figured it was a local, maybe he's farming some land out in the jungle. So we got to looking. The person was not moving. Oh. That's worse to me if the person is not yeah, moving. Yeah, We pushed the stroller closer. We realized it was an apparition. There was an old Okinawan man in a straw hat with drooping jowls staring at us blankly, <gasps> not moving. Only, this is hard to say, he had no body. It was just shadowy mass. The jungle was right behind him. My wife and I just stared in disbelief of what we were seeing. His head then faded away. (gasps) He did not just back into the jungle. The head disappeared right there and then it faded. We ran home pushing the stroller as fast as we could and locked the door behind us. Uh, Now I see why this place has a reputation for being haunted. And there's so much paranormal activity in this base that the surrounding areas seem to have picked up some of it as well. Some neighboring places are getting haunted. One is an apartment complex just north of the base uh, the lower floors were once a department store. It supposedly went out of business because sightings of children covered in blood and wrapped in bandages got to be real problematic for <gasps> shoppers. No. Uh, and the fourth floor is super intense with these, so no one's going to live there. There's an old abandoned hospital next to this, so that might be where these ghosts are coming from. Um, Because injured people are visible at times through the dust-covered windows. Many of the roads around the base are often said to be frequented by ghosts and wraiths uh, (gasps) looking like World War II-era Japanese soldiers or American GIs. And Let's go to Okinawa. Let's go to Okinawa. I say let's go. So Kadena Air Base remains one of the most well-known haunted locales in Okinawa. 
So Okinawa is famous for having really beautiful beaches. Like some of the most beautiful beaches in the world are in Okinawa. Yeah. A fun fact about Okinawa that I knew, I knew this fact, but I just uh, opened up Wikipedia to confirm it. (laughs) (laughs) Okinawa's population is among the longest living people in the world. Really? Yeah. Residents of Okinawa have less cancer, heart disease, and dementia than residents in other parts of the world. And uh, Okinawan women live longer than anywhere else on earth. Oh man! So maybe they, maybe these hauntings happen because these spirits have just gotten so used to living on planet Earth. Yeah, that they're like, okay, we're dead, but we're not leaving. Yeah, I w- I've been here for like a hundred and five years. Yeah. So yeah, Okinawa is an island off the coast of Japan. You gotta fly there or take a boat, I guess. Well, if you are if you are someone who's been to Okinawa, you have stories about it. You know anything about that or other super scary haunted places? Um, we would love to hear about it because I, I always like to look for, if you're someone who really loves to dig into creepy and paranormal stuff, very quickly you run out of things to dig into. Yeah. So it's really exciting to learn about something else that you, you haven't necessarily heard about. We should do a taste bud retreat to Japan. All it's going to cost you is $10 million. Yep. And uh, it's an expensive plane ticket and uh, food and beverage not included. <laughs> oh, but you don't you don't eat sushi, do you? I do. I like sushi. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. It's the it's like the meat that I eat mm. is, is sushi. <laughs> Getting in shape for me is not about losing weight. It's about learning healthier habits. Right. Like stamina. Mm-hmm. Eating more green food. Yeah. And that is why I love the Noom app. So Noom is this fantastic app that helps you change your relationship with food and exercise and just the whole, that whole world. It's not just losing weight. It's arming you with an understanding of why you make the food choices you make and using behavioral psychology to help you make different choices. If you're out of your mind counting calories. Stop, stop, stop. It's not worth it. Opening up your apps to like track every single little morsel you put in your mouth. Noom is not about that. It's about staying motivated, accountable, and feeling good about yourself the entire way through. Noom teaches you why you do the things you do, and it arms you with the tools to break bad habits and then replace them with better ones. It's a healthy and easy to stick to way of life. So the Noom app teaches you moderation. It can be used in conjunction with other popular diets if you want. They have food databases that you can track your meals, learn portion sizes. No food is good or bad or off limits. That's my favorite part. Food is food. There's no judgment. They have a great community and they have a coach for you so that you have a support system out there. There's no shaming. If you eat an entire sheet cake one day, they're not going to tell you you're a bad person. No. It's such a supportive, wonderful tool for you to get back on track with eating and diet and exercise. It's all based on psychology. And really, it's become a way of life for me. I take 10 minutes a day. It's my me time. Mm -hmm. I go into my Noom app and I figure out what what do I need to eat more of and maybe what do I need to eat less of. Yeah. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. So sign up for your trial today. Go to Noom.com slash taste. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash taste. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash taste to start your trial today. That's Noom.com slash taste. Bethany, I learned this really kind of like strange thing over the weekend. Okay. So great white sharks congregate every year to party in the middle of the Pacific. So great white, great, <laughs> great white sharks from the whole coast, the like the West Coast of yeah. America, they meet up. Like, once a year, every year to party in the middle of the Pacific. They pick a totally nondescript 
nowhere, middle of nowhere location. Like an empty warehouse. Yeah, somewhere in between Mexico and, and Hawaii. They stay there for 30 to 40 days. What the hell? And they just like, they hang out. How do they know? So uh, there's a scientist. He's from the Monterey Bay Aquarium. His name is Salvador Jorgensen. Ah, my people. And if you ever get the chance to go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, it's considered like one of the best aquariums in the whole world. Was it featured in Big Little Lies or I Don't Want It? It was featured in Big Little <laughs> was Lies. It? It okay, was. Good. And I'm actually going there to spend my New Year's this year. Oh, fantastic. The scientist who studies sharks from the Monterey Bay Aquarium, he calls it the White Shark Cafe because he suspects that the sharks are going there to catch something to eat, even though scientists can't really pinpoint exactly what they're going there to to eat. Alternatively, they can be making the trip to meet someone special. Oh, they're going to to shag and party. They are. He says, I like to think of it as the burning man for sharks. This is so crazy. You have all of these Bay Area white sharks and they just head out to the middle of nowhere every year for 30 to 40 days. I wonder how they how they all know where to go. Do you think it's a retreat to like learn how to be, like better meditate, how to better get out their anger? Yeah, I think they all get lanyards. They're all meeting at like a Best Western. Yeah, there's a happy hour. Yeah, and the, yeah. Mer- the mermaids serve them. Yeah, like a networking event. <laughs> yeah, there's like a, the, a breakout. What's Maybe, it called? A breakout? Out speech. Oh, oh, one of those choreographed dances. What are they called? Uh, oh, one. Wait, what are those called? A flash mob. Oh yeah, it could be. It could be a flash mob. A sharky flash mob. Or do you think they're going for brunch? Do you think they're like? Let's, I mean, let's meet for a thirty-day brunch. It is crazy that. Every wonder, basic bitch's dream. Why haven't we heard about this until now? I, so I, they're developing cameras right now. But the problem is, is that, okay, so it lasts for 30 to 40 days. Mm-hmm. And how do you keep a camera powered? I mean, where they're going, they're not getting a lot of sunlight. Like, they are deep under the ocean in the middle of nowhere. So how do you keep a camera powered for that long is what the problem is. Oh. Yeah. I understand that. Bethany, why did the shark cross the Great Barrier Reef? Why? To get to the other tide. All right. What's the shark's favorite Bible story? Um, I really want to answer it. Noah's shark? Yes! Yay! Oh, my God! <laughs> What's the shark's favorite science fiction TV show? Um, shark Trek. Okay, that one's, like, such a stretch. Okay, no, no, no. That's, like, a, that's like a really good one. So, so. If you, like, end on a hind shark note. What do you call rubber bumpers on yachts? Shark absorbers. Uh, I'm so disappointed. What kind of shark is always gambling? A card shark, yes! Kathleen. You're so smart, All Bethany. Right. Kathleen, what'd you learn this week? Big weirdo. I learned that you should consider shaving your kiwis. Why? Because what? Kiwis are superfood, but some of the best nutrients in kiwis are in the skin. But they're hairy. No, so that's why you should shave your kiwi. Shave your kiwi and then eat it. Okay, Wait, Bethany? where did you hear this? Or did you just decide? Did you pull out your Gillette Lady Razor <laughs> and start taking the hair off of your no, kiwi? No, you need, you need a razor that doesn't have, like, you know, the lotion strip. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? Is this actually a thing you're this supposed to do? This is a thing you're supposed to do. Go get the cheapy razors. Yeah. You know, the ones without the lotion strip. Take them home. Keep some in the cabinet and start shaving your kiwis. Should I shave my kiwi is the question I just asked Google. It's a superfood. Kiwis are superfoods. There's so many nutrients, great antioxidants like cancer, preventing all sorts of stuff. Kiwi can be juiced without peeling by straining out the pulp where the exotic fruit can be scooped out with a spoon after the kiwi has been cut in half. Shaving the fuzzy peel and slicing allows for the most stunning presentation of the fruit. How to shave a kiwi. You ready for how to shave a kiwi? Yes. This is on ehow.com. Do tell. You're going to need a cutting board. Mm-hmm. You're going to need a paring okay. knife. Step one. Uh-huh. Stand the kiwi on a cutting board so its top 
end is facing up. Okay. Got so it. there's going to be a hard brown circle like a button. Uh-huh. That was the top. All right. The bottom will yield more easily when pressed with your finger. That mm. sounds hot. Number two, poke your paring knife gently through the skin. No, this isn't like, this is just how to peel it. Yeah. Take a razor. Listen to me. Look at me in the face. Look at me in the eyes, Bethany. You take your kiwi. Yeah. You get a cheap razor. You shave that kiwi skin. You shave off all those tiny little hairs until it's smooth like a baby's ass. Is it? You rub it on your face. You're not going to feel any pricklies. Then you're going to slice it up and you're going to eat the skin because that's where all of the great antioxidants are. And there's a lot of okay. fiber. Answer me honestly. Uh-huh. Did you just decide to do this or is did you read something that said to shave your kiwi? No, I think I read something online to shave your kiwi because are, are the little hairs bad for you I'm, i think maybe i saw it on twitter i don't know the hairs aren't bad i personally just cut my kiwi and eat it but i know some people don't eat the skin because of the little hairs it's a little so nerving. all you have to do is just shave your kiwi huh there are several varieties of kiwi that include uh tender fuzz free skin mm. uh well the ones in my american supermarket are always the ones with hair They've got a five o'clock shower. They do. They have. They have like little. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know. You shave that. Shave kiwi. your kiwis, Bethany. What did you learn this week? My mom sent me something really fantastic this morning uh, because I was talking about this person that I met who won't stop texting me. Like she's a very clingy, mm. doesn't have, doesn't understand boundaries, uh, text yeah. etiquette and boundaries. Uh-huh. And so my mom texted me, "Don't be afraid of losing people." Be afraid of losing yourself by trying to please everyone around you. God damn it. Your mom is so smart. I know. Like, I just can't. I just can't take it. She sends those zingers every once in a while that really hit you in the heart. Uh, Don't be afraid of losing people. Be afraid of losing yourself by trying to please everyone around you. Oh, I love that. Kathleen, what did you learn this week? I already did my what I learned this week. Was it the shark thing? No, I did the kiwis. The kiwi thing? Yeah, I learned that you should shave your kiwis. What else did you learn? Uh, You keep learning every day. uh, Oh, can I give you a hot tip? Yeah. Hot tip coming out of nowhere. Yeah. You should listen to the new Lana Del Rey album. Why? It's so good. Can I hear her coffin-shaped nails? (laughs) Yes, you absolutely can. It's called Norman fucking Rockwell. Okay. (laughs) That's her new album. I think it came out in August, but... um, it's, I've been listening on uh, Apple Music. Yeah. I have a subscription. It's real good. Is it moody and sad? Yes. See, I can't listen to moody and sad. But it also moody like a, and sad. But also a little bit happy. It's just very clever. Okay. That's my hot tip coming out of nowhere. The hot tip that you didn't ask for. I didn't, but you know, I appreciate the hot tip. <laughs> all right. Another hot tip that nobody asked for. Yeah. We all need to be brave like this 11-year-old girl from Zimbabwe. Okay. So an 11-year-old girl in Zimbabwe was hanging out at a, near a body of water. With her friend. Her friend was nine. Okay. Out of nowhere, a crocodile grabs her friend (gasps) and attacks her friend while they're swimming uh, in a stream in Zimbabwe. The 11-year-old girl, her name is Rebecca Moncombe. Moncombe. She jumped on top of that damn crocodile and gouged its (gasps) damn eyes out with her bare hands. Badass! Which caused it it to lose its grip on her friend, and her friend escaped with minor injuries. That's fantastic. Is that not the best story you've heard in a long time? Would you gouge out a crocodile eye for me? I absolutely would. I would do it for you, too. You know what, Bethany? I don't know if I... I I mean, if a crocodile bit you, yeah. I would look for something to hit with it, like to hit the crocodile with. Come on. You wouldn't like just like go in with your thumbs uh, all of uh, fluttering? You know, in this moment, really thinking about it and picturing it happening, I don't know. What? 
yet. Bethany, I would do my best. I don't know if I could promise you that I would jump on top of that crocodile and gouge its eyes out. My heart is hurting. Once her friend was free, uh, the 11-year-old swam to the banks where there were other children that she pulled out of the water. The crocodile fortunately did not attack them after that. Yeah, because it was damn blind. It was blind as hell. (laughs) Wow, that's very impressive. Well... To that little girl, I say, you are a better friend than Kathleen. I, you are a better friend than me. I would jump on that crocodile, punch it in the face. I Okay, yeah, but like, would you really? Yes. Just like, think about it. Think yes. Ab- think about putting yourself in danger. Okay, hold on. See? I'm, hold on. Okay, I'm going to think. No, I'm going to think about it legitimately. Like, it's hopefully there would be a rock. I would hit it with a rock. No, I would go in. I would go in. <sighs> because you know why, Kathleen? Why? I value our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good to know where I stand with you. I'm a bad person. You're All right. An awful friend. Bethany, there's a reminder. This is a weekly reminder to take stock of your friendships. <sighs> I'm sorry. Kathleen, where can people find you on social media? Oh, it doesn't matter. You can find me <laughs> on Instagram, <laughs> Ms. Bethany Watson, on Twitter, Radio Bethany. You can find me on Webgirl Kathleen on social media and everything. (laughs) You can find our podcast on Twitter at Acquired Podcast. On Instagram, Acquired Taste Podcast. On Facebook, just search Acquired Taste Podcast. You can send us an email. Our address is anacquiredtastepodcast at gmail.com. You can send us snail mail uh, and Acquired Taste Podcast, P.O. Box 1717, Hoboken, New Jersey, 07030. You can also leave us a voicemail. We sometimes play them at the end of podcasts. We usually do. Full episodes not bonuses right okay so here's our phone number uh-huh. 917-994-0353 uh what else i think that's it that's it i need a nap i'm sorry i'm a bad friend i'm i would i would kill most things i don't know if i have the power to kill a crocodile i, just I think don't. you do if you believe you do but I, you know what it's just a reflection on your belief in yourself <laughs> and that has nothing to do with me it's my reflection on you mm-hmm. than it is on me mm-hmm. taste buds here's what you had to say this week Hi, ladies. Facebook Sam here. Getting caught up on old podcasts, and I was stunned to find out that we have the uh, same exact reading list right now. I'm about halfway through Ninth House, and The Golden Compass was next on the list. I'm a huge fantasy fan, and I know you ladies don't read it much, so I was stunned to hear that. Read on, nerds. Hi, Bethany and Kathleen. This is your Fitbit Obsessed Taste Bud Lynn. Uh, I was just calling because I just wanted to tell Bethany I truly appreciate you doing Henry's guitar riff or anything metal that is mentioned on the podcast. So, hail yourself, girl. Medustalations, and I hope you all are having a great day. Happy Friday. Hi, Bethany and Kathleen. This is Jenna from Connecticut. I'm a few episodes behind. I just listened to the episode where Kathleen was talking about how to know if you're, you know, giving too much to your job, and it really hit home for me. Like, I had to pull over on the side of the road because I'm going through a lot of the same things right now that Kathleen was talking about where her husband kind of sat her down and said, you need to make a change. I'm a teacher, and I just had a child six months ago, and unfortunately, teaching seems to be one of those careers that demands way more from people than is possible to give and now that I have a baby I I thought things would snap back and I'd be back to my my old like hustle and it's just not like that you guys are a motivation and I'm really grateful to hear that you're going through something like that Kathleen I'm grateful to hear your experiences because it helps me kind of shape the understanding of what I might be able to do going forward And, and I look up to you guys because you do hustle and I'm sort of reshaping as I'm about to turn 30 I'm reshaping my idea of what the importance of 
you know, hustling really is and, and really should that be my focus anymore. Hey, ladies, this is Courtney from Lancaster. Um, I am listening to the latest pod, the bonus episode, um, and Bethany is asking about how, like, calling 911 works. So I used to work for a cell phone company, and when they set up your account, they have to fill out a 911 address form so that if you have an area code from somewhere else, that pretty much, like, ensures that it doesn't just automatically route to wherever. And fun fact, that's also why you can't really take your mail my number with you because landlines don't have that same GPS capability so you can only like take your landline phone number so far before the FCC is like nope can't take that hey ladies it's Tracy from Syracuse I had to call I was listening to episode 209 in Kathleen I get the sex in the city has been out for like 20 years but I haven't finished it I just started it and you spoiled it Kathleen, uh, I can't even believe it. It's fine. Because I know that she had a baby at some point and got married, but I didn't know who it was to. I actually thought it was Carrie's gay friend because I thought he looked like him because I, I saw an episode before. But anyway, I know Carrie gets with big. I'm just waiting for that to happen. But anyways, I just had to call because I thought it was really funny that I had no idea about Charlotte. But yeah, anyways, have a good day. Okay, bye.